Welcome to Burn the Ship. This is the podcast that inspires entrepreneurs to go all in on their business by connecting them with professionals and help them do so. And I'm very happy today um, to introduce my guest here. Um, I'll, I'll kind of let you introduce yourself because you, in, you introduce yourself with such enthusiasm and I appreciate that. Um, but today we're going to learn a little bit more about communication, how to, how to communicate more effectively and how being an expert at communication can really drive your business to the next level. So why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you so much, Billy, for having me. My name is Brigitte Höfele. I am now a resident of Atlanta, beautiful city, love the mugginess. <laughs> I'm not originally, as you can probably already tell by my first and last name, that I'm not originally from Atlanta or the States. I moved to uh, the United States from Germany in 2004 to build a business. And I have done this several times over very successfully and I'm invited to speak on stages all around the world. So super excited to be here. Thank you so much. Sure. Thank you as well. And so when um, you initially came to the United States, you came immediately to Atlanta? No, I actually came immediately to a small town in Tennessee called Cleveland. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm familiar. That's where um, Hawassi College is, right? That's uh, I don't no, know it's, about- uh, no, it's uh, Lee. Isn't Lee? Lee University. Yeah, Lee University. Yeah, that's right. Um, played some ball there. Um, that's pretty cool. So what did you, what business did you come here to start? So I came to build a Montessori school. Montessori is a methodology, uh, for children and individuals, um, that will take each child where, pick each child up where they're at mentally. And it's very one-on-one, very individualized learning. Cause quite frankly, Billy, I was not good at school. I hated school. I'll be really honest, right? I couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. And um, I didn't want that for my children because school and learning can actually be really fun. You know, growing up now, I I love to learn because leaders are learners. But through school, I just, they tried to put me in a box that I just didn't fit in, right? I was like this, I was this, uh, you know, this peg that they tried to put into a a square opening and they were just pounding on it. And I know most people feel like that. I think specifically entrepreneurs feel like that. They're they're like, I just didn't fit. But you're not meant to fit. You're meant to stand out. Right. So I wanted I wanted something different for my children. And I'm an educator uh, by my first degree. I've uh, I have a degree in social pedagogy and. When we had children or when we had our first child, I said, I want them to go to a Montessori school. We lived in Munich at the time, Munich, Germany, Midtown Munich. And um, I looked into the Montessori schools in Munich and they all had a three-year wait list. And I finally said, you know what? You know, at that time I was in publishing. Germany position in publishing and let me start a Montessori school. Um, well, you know, that's all now looking back, easy said, uh, wasn't as easy, but we did. And then at one point, my husband and I said, hey, what if we move to the States? And I said, yeah, we can build a school in the States. And then we decided to move from Midtown Munich to a small town in Tennessee. Wow. <laughs> wow. So how did you create that That you know, the connections that you needed to make that happen? Did you have connections that were helping you in, in Germany before? Or did you just kind of, you know, look at your bank account and say, let's, let's take a chance? Yeah. So, you oh, know, wow. we literally burned the ship. Literally. I mean, we literally burned the ship, right? I built a business plan. Um, I looked for, first I looked for real estate in Germany to build a school in Munich. And if you know anything about German cities, Munich, 
Stuttgart and Hamburg are the most expensive cities in, in, in real, when, when you speak of real estate and investments. And, um, it, and, and on top of that, there was just no building. So that's when we decided, you know what, we're building this business plan, we're building this school, we're capping out at the small facility that we were in, why don't we move this to the States and see, you know, maybe we'll do it four or five years and come back and continue building the school in, in Munich or elsewhere. So we literally took the money that we've saved, you know, picked up our little toddler daughter who just turned 19 last weekend. Oh, wow. Um, I know it, it happens like that. <laughs> and, um, did some homework on where could we build the school? And one of the homeworks in our marketing plan, if you know anything about business plans, the marketing plan was, well, I, I surely don't want another Montessori school in a greater area of 50 plus miles. So Cleveland, Tennessee, I have some roots at Lee University. So I do know a little bit about Cleveland and we love, you know, the Coe River. Um, we had, uh, you know, some a uh, faint family background in Cleveland. So we moved to Cleveland. And um, the first thing that I did in building the school there was to become a member of the Chamber of Commerce. And quickly I was, um, I was asked by the Chamber of Commerce to sit on their board of executives. Um, and that was odd all in itself because at that time I was 33. And I was sitting on the board with a bunch of 55 plus white men, right? So yeah, I'm a pioneer by heart. I don't mind burning the ship. I don't mind going the extra mile. I don't mind, you know, going into the unknown. My, um, if you know anything about personality types, there are four personality types. I didn't come up with that. You know, Hippocrates two and a half thousand years ago came up with that. But I am the personality type that's like a, you know, ready, fire, aim. Yeah, you heard that right. Ready, fire, and then aim. I just go for it, right? But I'm also, because I'm German, I'm also pretty structured. So <laughs> my father-in-law, um, when we, you know, kind of proposed what we're going to do to take his only grandchild across the ocean, he was not happy. And then on top of that, we're going into the unknown, not looking for a job, but we're building a business. And I presented the business plan because I know his personality type is very structured and by the book and, you know, it's risk averse and all of these things. And, and he said, you're crazy. What's your plan B? And I said, I don't have a plan B because I'm not, there is no failure. There is only feedback. Right. I'm, and, and, and Bailey, that was a lot of feedback. Sure. sure. That was a lot of feedback. So what was it like to begin to incorporate some of these skills that you learn naturally as an educator into the business world? So you've come over from Munich. You're in Cleveland, Tennessee. You're sitting on the board with a bunch of people that don't look like you. Um, and you have this network of people within the Chamber of Commerce that – you know, you're in the you're in the foothills of Appalachia. You know, you're not necessarily in uh you're not in downtown anywhere. You know, so what is it like to take those, you know, big city high capacity learning and communication skills and begin to incorporate those into a business that you've never really done before in an area that you're new to? Yeah, great question. Well, first of all, I had to become really humble. That took a while. Sure. Right? Cuz I came in as this cocky, you know, let's go just you know, crush it, 
type A sure. personality to a small town where everything is, you know, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. it it's very, you know, uh, tight. And here I come with this new idea of a Montessori school. If you know anything about Cleveland, Tennessee, it is also very Christian, right? Sure. They thought they invited the devil into their <laughs> into their community. I'm just gonna say it as it is, right? And I had to do a lot of explaining. I had to do a lot of educating who I am, why should they listen to me, and why is the Montessori method a great methodology for all children? And you know, when I became a member of the Chamber of Commerce, I actually didn't have the money to become a member. I, but I realized that I had to invest in order to make money. And I think that is one of the biggest concepts that as a new entrepreneur, you've got to invest somewhere, right? You've got you, you to gotta cough up the money somewhere so you can continue to grow. And it's all about growth. And, and like I said, you know, when I say there's no, there's no failure, only feedback, feedback is growth and, and it's uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. So out of that membership didn't just come a, you know, being on the board and that took some, that took time, right? And that, that took building relationships that took me going in and constantly showing up and showing people that I am not a threat. I am here to be of service. I am here to be of value to your community. And I'm actually going to make your community something even greater. So we started working with Lee University. We started working with the churches. Right now, during the pandemic, we moved the school. And I'm, I'm out of the day-to-day -day operations because I live in Atlanta now and have another educational uh, facility. But during the pandemic, we moved to the school into a larger facility with Westmore Church of God. Um, we have 125 students in our facility. So during, you know, companies that grow during a pandemic are strong companies. Sure. Absolutely. And so you guys are, are putting it together, this, this strong company, putting together this foundation, all based on this chance that you took after you move across the Atlantic Ocean. How did you develop that skill of being a risk taker? I don't think that's a skill. I think um, it is a skill. I've talked to a lot of people on this podcast in particularly that are incredibly risk averse, so much so that they see the opportunity to take a risk that's still a good bet and still won't do it. It maybe it's not a skill to be um maybe it's not a skill to be a risk taker, but it is absolutely a skill to you know, jump in feet first. Yeah, I don't know if tenacity is something that you learn or something that you have. You right. can probably develop it over time, right? Um, I like to tell the folks that learn from me in, in my trainings that work ethic and tenacity is something that you want to look for when you hire people or that when you work with team new team members. Right. Tenacity, tenacity and work ethic. Those are the two things you can teach anything else on top of that. You can teach any, you know, if you want to say soft skill on top of that, that's easy. But tenacity and work ethic, that's hard. You either, you either have it somewhere already in your roots or you don't. That's how I feel. Now, as a, as a child, I heard, and that's why I built a Montessori school. I heard from my siblings and from my parents, 
oh my God, Brigitte, can you just tone it down? Can you just be a little less energetic? Can you just be a little less loud? Can you just be a little less out there, right? And for the longest time, I thought that that was a bad thing until I used it to do a whole lot of good. Sure. How can, how do you believe that people can develop some tenacity? You know, because you only get that through organic interactions with the universe of going through hard shit, you know? So how do people um, create that? Well, I think first of all, you know, looking at adversities as not failure or something that is going to stop you, but something that can excel you. You know, it's, it's all about reframes. It's all about how do you reframe it for yourself? And do you live at cause or do you live in effect? In effect is everything from the outside happens to me and I'm a victim, right? Living at cause is, oh, you know, there's a challenge. How am I going to overcome that challenge? Or is that challenge going to stop me? You know, if I could write a book just for, from 2004 before we moved to the States. At one point, I went to the consulate general in Munich to look um, look at the uh, papers, where how far the papers are, because we've already we're sitting on on bags that are packed and ready to move to the United States, <laughs> but we didn't have our papers yet. We we quit our apartment, so we lived in my husband's grandma's attic with a toddler, right? That's a whole nother story. But I went to the consulate general and they seized my passport. And I said, you can't do that. And they're like, well, we just did. So there, that was a scare tactic. And a few weeks later, I got my passport back via FedEx envelope. That could have easily stopped me. I could have said right there, you know what, really? That was a sign from the universe. We're not, you know, we're not meant to go to the United States we're done. I could have easily said that, but we didn't. Right. We said, okay, so now, you know, without a passport, I can't travel. So now what do we do? Well, now we get to do something that Brigida is not really good at. And that's having patience, <laughs> right? Now I got a lesson, lesson in patience because what I said earlier, leaders are learners. Right. So always look at, I always look at where's the learning in this? Where is the overcoming the challenge, the adversity, and where's the learning in this? And that's hard. Right. Right. Tell me about some of the challenges that you faced when you got to the United States. And I'm not talking about small scale. What was that culture shift like of, you know, 2004, you're just getting back on your feet, and then you're, you're dealing with 2008. You know, you're dealing with the Great Recession. Um, mm-hmm. You're dealing at 2012 is a huge cultural shift in – um, you know, government and, and just economics in general seems to have a shift in tone to 2016 is another huge shift in tone. What has that been like to kind of adapt to those, you know, from a business perspective, um, culturally? Yeah. So the first challenge that I had in, when I built the school, um, was culturally, you know, I, I started hiring staff because I needed staff. I needed people. I was training um, teachers to, um, to, to, to teach the classrooms with me. Cause at that point when I came, it was only me teaching in the classroom. So I started hiring, um, you know, teachers, they were not uh, educated in the Montessori methodology. They were teachers, but they were not, they didn't have that extra diploma. So I had to teach them 
And the, the first feedback that I got from a lot of Tennessee teachers was, oh, honey, you're just going to have to relax. And I said, well, honey, I'm not going to relax, right? She sound like all of our moms. (laughs) You sound just like my mom. Oh, my goodness. Even your Tennessee uh, accent is just impeccable. Oh, boy. I I think I got really good at it over the years. (laughs) Um, And I said, we're not going to relax, right? Because I have a big vision. I have a vision that there is a facility for children that it is for every child and for every parent, right? So long story short, I had a lot of turnaround in teachers, a lot of turnaround. So I invested in them because the Montessori methodology is a three-year diploma that they have on top of their teaching degree. Um, and that costs a good, you know, four or $5,000 per, per, per teacher. So I invested in them. I couldn't hold them. And I, you know, I had teachers come, I had teachers leave, I had teachers come, I had teachers leave, I had teachers come, I had teachers leave over years and years. And I'm like, wait a minute, why are they such idiots? Why are the (laughs) teachers, the dummies that are leaving? Until it happened over and over and over enough that I was like, wait a minute, I need to take a step back here and look at the common denominator here. And what's the common denominator? That was me. That's painful. As a business owner, that's a challenge all in itself, looking at oneself, not looking outside, but living at cause, looking at what am I doing? How am I, if I'm not, you know, the, what I said earlier, Bailey, the communication that I have, the words that I'm saying, the, the, the body language that I'm exuding, if I'm not getting the results that I desire, that is on me. That is on no one else but me. Right. Right. So I had to look at what am I doing wrong and how am I communicating or not communicating with them? And that was a that was a very, very bitter pill to swallow. And that's when I learned about neurolinguistic programming and started pouring into myself because leaders are learners. I continued to grow and I continued to work on myself to become a better person, to become a better leader. And that has made all the difference. Sure. And then, yes, you're right. 2008 came, right? That was tough. Like I had a bunch of uh, children that came to my school because it's a private school. It's tuition based. So now all the realtors that send their kids to my school overnight pulled their children out. That meant for me, there was no tuition. Yeah, they pulled them out to get their kids jobs because they didn't have any jobs. It was rough. It's really rough. It was rough. I think people forget. It was rough. It was really rough. I mean, my dad was in that industry. It was rough. Your dad was in that industry. My producer over here, Tristan, my friend, it was rough. It was rough. Yeah. Our, our lives changed overnight. I mean, I, yeah. I remember it clearly. And I remember that year when we did our taxes, or the year after that, we did our taxes, our CPA said, how are you putting food on the table? And I said, we make it work. It was it was tough, but I knew I need to pull through this, that failure is not an option. I'm going to pull through this and I'm going to come out on the other end just fine. Oh, just- please repeat what you just said, because I want to hear it so bad. It, it paused a little bit. Faith for me is a big part in that faith in something greater faith in myself 
faith in the in the mission that I have to educate others, right? Because I learned through I learned through building the business that educating children is great, but it morphed into really educating parents because children <laughs> they're innocent. They're innocent by nature. It's the adults around them that screw them up. Right. Right? The thought leaders, the parents, the grandparents, the aunt uncles, the religious leaders, you know, TV. Their children are being programmed by their environment. And if we can be better, and, and now I'm pointing to myself as an adult, if we can be better, then the quality of our children that grow up are going to be better too. Sure. So that's when I shifted in around 2012, 2013, to um, go out and do more teaching and do more coaching with adults to make them better world uh, human beings, world leaders, so that our children can grow up in a world that is a better world. And sure. it starts with, yeah, it starts with the adults that program the children. Sure. Well, I love your story. Um, I, I really do. Why don't Why don't you tell us, you know, just to surmise some of that content that you're putting out for some of those adults that you're working with? What would be a couple? You know, let's let's limit it to three. What would you give three tidbits to a new aspiring entrepreneur um, that has the next best idea in business um, and they're really excited about it? What would you tell those guys to keep in the back of their mind as they begin their entrepreneurial journey? Well, first of all, it's got to be a win-win-win. So if someone has a great idea, don't just look at how is, it, how is it a win for me, right? How is it a win for me and how is it a win for my potential customer? How are you solving a problem for your customer? But here's the, here's the kicker. I make it a win-win-win when I work with my clients. How is it a win for you? How is it a win for me? And how is it a win for the greater good? Does it really solve something on a bigger level? right? If you're only focusing on the money for yourself, well, that's bollocks. I'm sorry. Right? Right. There's got to be a greater mission in there. Look at your, and that's number two, look at your communication. How are you communicating? Because in our communication, we all delete, distort, and generalize information as we're spewing it out. And the more we come up aware, the more we become aware of how we're deleting, distorting, and generalizing info, we're becoming then aware of how is it landing or not landing with the person that I'm talking to. Sure. How are they understanding or not understanding? And there's an immediate feedback. So you can do a really simple test. Are you getting the results that you want or are you not? And if you're not, it's on you. So go back and learn more to become a better communicator. Right. And, and number three is learn, continue to learn, continue to pour into yourself because you have an impact on the people that surround you. If you want to or not in a good or in a bad way. Right. And it starts out with the mindset and the self-talk that you have, because here's a success form- formula. Thoughts lead to feelings, feelings lead to actions, actions lead to results. Thoughts, feelings, feelings, actions, and those actions lead to results. It's not one or the other. And it, and I say it's a success formula, and most humans misuse the success formula because most humans start out with a negative thought that turns into a negative feeling that gets them to either a lack of actions or a negative action, 
and then they have their result and then they're then they're victimized. They're, oh, woe is me. My business didn't work or, you know, the, the bank didn't give me the money hmm. or whatever it is. Hmm. Right? No. It, it starts with your mindset. Thoughts lead to feelings. Feelings lead to actions. Actions lead to results. 100%. I absolutely agree. Um, and I want to finish it with this. Before we tell people how to get in touch with you, there's people that are listening to this podcast right now as it sits on the internet that are just like you in 2004 sitting with their bags packed without the ability to um, burn the ship. You know, what would you say to those people that are that are in that tandem moment where they want to burn the ship or they don't have the resources or they feel they don't have the time or they feel they're stuck in a situation? How would you lead those people and tell those people to really go all in on their business? Well, first of all, have a great plan. You know, I'm working with a young entrepreneur right now. We're working on a business plan. A business plan is a must. It might it might not be most comfortable, but create a plan. Know what you're aiming for. You know, here in Atlanta, we have uh, we have these axe throwing places like bad axe down here mm -hmm. in in the city. Um, it's like darts on steroids. <laughs> And, and their boundaries, when you throw the axe, there are boundaries of big walls and there's a target of where you're throwing the axe to. Too many people that have a great idea that are going into business are literally standing there with an axe in their hand and they're just going, hmm, where shall I throw it today? Oh, let me aim over here. And then they just throw it. That's lethal or it can be lethal, right? Know what you're aiming for. And for what good? What's the mission and purpose? What's your identity? And how is it all fitting together, right? We go through the neurological levels from mission and purpose through identity, through your behaviors, uh, through your beliefs and values, to your capabilities, through your behaviors, and then environment is at the very bottom. Most business owners only focus on the environment. They're like, oh, I want to have this fancy place in Buckhead and do this and look at that and, you know, drive the car and, and, and be surrounded by these people. But they have no idea what they stand for. They have no idea who they are as a brand. They have no idea what their mission and purpose is. And they have no idea what they truly value because all they value is money. And that's gross. Right. Don't be driven by the money, driven by your purpose. Absolutely. And by the value that you bring. Correct. All the people that are listening right now that want to have a conversation with you, how do they find you? Really simple. Centerofnlp.com. Centerofnlp.com. Or just shoot me a quick um, email. And the email is info at NLP. Neurolinguistic Programming, so nlpatlanta.com, nlpatlanta.com. Perfect. This has been really good. I appreciate it. There are some glorious, uh, some glorious tidbits in this podcast that I really hope people latch on to. Um, and I want to stay in contact with you. You know, I want to continue to, uh, you know, to use you as, as a whiteboard and, you know, to continue to audit myself and hopefully we can figure out a way to do some work together in the future. But, um, this has been time well spent, you know, I've, I've learned something. I'm sure Tristan has, you know, some takeaways from this ourselves. and, you know, for, uh, for our audience, you know, we're in, we're in it for a little bit of the same thing. You know, we, we learn as you guys learn. So, um, stick around with us, you know, I appreciate you. I really do. I appreciate you kind of pouring yourself out and, and letting us know your story on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Cool. We'll talk again soon. All right.